comprehending and acknowledging the power of Christ within. This is a part two. We started it last week. And we found out some things about that. God laid a foundation last week concerning that, this information of understanding the Christ within and the importance of the, the believer of indeed comprehending and acknowledging these things. How many of y'all want to please God? That ought to be every hand up. Amen. All of us ought to want to please God. That is our desire as believers. We want to be pleasing to our God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and you don't have to turn there, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We found out last week that when I begin to, unless I acknowledge the power of Christ within, our faith will not work properly. Unless I begin to acknowledge the power of Christ within, my faith will be compromised and it won't work properly. Philemon chapter 1 is where we got that revelation from. Verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So when we begin to acknowledge all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus, in filling us with his mighty Holy Ghost, and all the fruits of the Spirit, when we begin to acknowledge that, it causes our faith to go to a new level. And we can begin to experience the covenant blessings in abundance, which is the will of God. We begin to go to new levels of glory because we are looking inward and not outward. We are become dependent upon him who lives within us. And as we do that, God works through us in miraculous and mighty ways. This is our portion as the New Testament church. Under the old covenant, believers did not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They had the power of God would come upon them, but he did not dwell on the inside of them like we do. And so what a blessing we have and what an opportunity we have as we begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit within. The life that Jesus lived on the earth is made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. The Master did not miss words when he said, The works that I do shall you do also. 
and greater work shall you do because I'm enthroned at the right hand of Almighty God. John 10 and 10, if I can. This is the Lord talking. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. He says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, Don't get me mixed up with him. He says, But I am come. Speaking of his deity, I am. I am come that they, you and I, the church, those who are born again might have life. That they might have it, that life, more abundantly. That's talking about not just this, this, this natural walking around life that men, natural men know. But that's talking about the Zoe life of God Almighty. The eternal life that is ours through our faith in Christ Jesus. The God kind of life. Somebody say the God kind of life. Sometimes we get intimidated by, by saying things like that because we don't really have a revelation of the finished work of Christ. And how we are truly and have been redeemed by his blood and made holy and unblameable in his sight. He cleaned us up that he might live within us and glorify himself through us. So Jesus said this abundant life is ours. The moment we believe, the moment we accept him as Lord and Savior, he gives us eternal life. Eternity for you and I starts the moment we are born again. That life is ours through faith in him. John chapter 14, if I may, verse 6. The Lord's still talking. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So again, Jesus Focusing on this life. This life is the life of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. This is our life. This is our portion. He is our portion. And I want you to understand something about this work that he has done. And we need to embrace this revelation. Everything outside of the life and power of the Holy Spirit is death. Get hold of that. Everything outside of the life and power of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is death. When God offers us life through his Son, there is no substitute for it. Eternal life is ours because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Mankind, had he not been born again, had he ate from the tree of life before he was able, to, before Jesus went to the cross, mankind would have 
lived in an eternal state of death. But because God used that angel to keep Adam and Eve away from the tree, because he knew he had a plan for us greater than anything that we could imagine, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, God himself dwelling on the inside of man, which was his plan from the beginning. This is what is ours. Again, we're focusing tonight on the Christ within. And we're building up into that point where we begin to get that revelation of him dwelling in us. But we want to focus on the importance of the understanding of life, God's life. We want to understand it so that when we get, begin to experience it, we can glorify God in it. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that, the, that both thou and thy seed may live. So God offers to us life. He says, choose life. Again, God focusing on this life, the very life of God that is ours. Even in the old covenant, he focused upon it and tried to get mankind to understand the importance of it and, the, and mankind's need to embrace this life. Second Peter chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So grace and peace is the will of God that it be multiplied through, to us, to the church, but it only happens as we gain knowledge of God. Found out in past teachings that God said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, because of what they don't know, because of what they don't understand because of what they don't recognize is theirs has a covenant right and blessing. Verse 3 says, According has his divine power, God's divine power, had given unto us all things. Somebody say all things. Had given unto us all things what that pertain to life and godliness. So that's the full gamut. Everything that God has, everything that God possesses, has been given to God's people through the knowledge of the Christ within. Through the acknowledgement and the comprehension of those things that have been freely given to us in Christ. 
has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. So everything that pertains to life or the Zoe life of God is what God wants us to experience. So death is not our portion. Never was God's plan in the beginning, and even now, it, it's not God's plan for us. Truth, these physical bodies are going to die and go to the grave if Jesus tarries. But you and I don't experience spiritual death. We only are to experience in the mind of God life. Second Timothy, let's go there. I want to show you something. This revelation blew my mind many years ago when I saw it. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, who had saved us. Thank God for salvation, amen, <laughs> for his salvation. And called us with a holy calling. Somebody needs to tonight begin to embrace the call of God upon your life. God is calling you up higher, but for some reason you're saying that I'm not worthy and I'm not capable. But God is not asking you to do it in your own strength. He's telling you to lean on hard on him and depend upon him. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but God is saying that he's called you to do some things for him in the power of his Holy Ghost. And as you begin to embrace these teachings, you'll begin to experience the supernatural Zoe life of God in your life like never before. And he's going to breathe upon you a Holy Ghost boldness that you didn't think was possible. Hallelujah. And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God had that plan in place before the world began. The call and the anointing and the grace to do what he's called you to do before the world began. God saw you do it. Hallelujah. Verse 10. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who had abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel or through the good news. So the scripture says that God has abolished death. He's outlawed death. He's condemned death. In the mind of God, death is not a problem anymore. Because he has, by his own cross and by his own resurrection, abolished it, outlawed it on Calvary. So that's how God views death. 
He sees it as not being a problem for you and I. He has brought, the Bible says, life and immortality or eternal life to light. He wants you and I to get a revelation of the eternity dwelling on the inside of us right now as we sit there. He wants you and I to embrace what he says concerning the resurrected Christ and our place in him. And begin to comprehend and understand that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. We are not to shrink back because the greater one lives on the inside of us. And truly, no weapon formed against you shall prosper because of this. Don't be intimidated by the lies of the devil. All all they are are lies. He has been thoroughly and eternally defeated by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's brought life and immortality to light, but it happens as we embrace the good news of the gospel. As we begin to believe what he says in the scripture concerning who we are, in Christ. I want to go to Psalms 21. I want to look at an Old Testament saint, David, King David. And I want to read how he felt concerning his covenant relationship with God. And I want, as, he, as we read this, I want you to understand that this is a man who is a king of Israel and a mighty warrior, and has, he has the Spirit of God upon his life, but he has not yet been in, filled with the Holy Ghost. Yet he has a revelation that most Holy Ghost filled people don't have. He says here in verse 1 of chapter 21. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. He understands salvation. He understands deliverance. He understands that has a, the seed of Abraham, deliverance is his portion. He embraces it. When he was on the battlefield against Goliath, he did not shrink. He was not intimidated because he believed in the delivering power of God. How greatly shall he, be, shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire. Thou hast not withholden the request of his lips. But thou presented him, prevented him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. How many of y'all know David's living the life? Amen. That's, that's the covenant blessing of God upon his life. And he begins to glorify God as he explains the goodness of God. He had he asked thee for he asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him. Even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty has thou laid upon him. 
For thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. So again, David was blessed and he knew he was blessed. David was as blessed as an old covenant believer could be. He had the Spirit of God upon him, but he did not have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of him like Pastor Mike did. We talked about this when we talked about how Jesus exclaimed about John the Baptist. He said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. But he made a description of the New of the New Testament belief, he said, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. That's talking about the weakest one of us is greater than John because of the indwelling power of the Holy Ghost. Now, here, here's what we have to do. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to begin to think like Jesus thought when Jesus walked the earth. Jesus was constantly aware of the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of him. He was the Son of God and is the Son of God. He was deity in the flesh, yet he understood the necessity of the Holy Spirit in his life. This is what God wants us to begin to do. He wants us to value and understand and treasure the presence of God in our lives. He wants us to begin to know what it is to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within and the rivers of living water that are made of, have been made available through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He wants you and I to go to a level in Him that glorifies Him. See, when you begin to acknowledge and understand these things, it glorifies God. is joyful and He's glorified when His children truly understand that the promise has been given. Promise God made to Abraham, that same promise, it's been given to us. In our generation, he wants us, before, before he comes back, he wants us to experience the cloud of the Holy Ghost. And realize that that cloud dwells on the inside of us also. John 14 and 10, let's go there. Thank you, Jesus. We touched on this the other week, but I feel a need to go back here in verse 10 of chapter 14. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the words. And we said that Jesus was constantly aware of the Spirit of God in him. And that's what he wants for us. Verse 16, that's what he wants for us. 
And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, they had experienced his ministry. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, that is what God wants us to understand tonight. That that same Holy Ghost that Jesus talked about dwelling on the inside of him now dwells on the inside of us. And the power that he walked in is available to us today if we'll only believe it. If we'll only comprehend it and acknowledge it and drink from it. I often ask God in my prayer time because part of me is carnal and weak. And I asked him, Lord, teach me how to drink because I don't know how. Teach me how to drink from this river of living water that dwells within. The endless power of God given to us by the cross and the resurrection, that water that Jesus talked to that lady at the well about, that well lives on the inside of me and you, but I don't know how to drink from it. Holy Spirit, God, teach me how to drink that I might glorify you and experience what you want me to experience. How many of y'all know that's a good prayer? God, teach me. I want to be like Solomon. I'm, a little, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to go out, and I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to do any of this, God, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to lay, to lay at your feet and have you teach me the ways of the Spirit. How to be quiet before you so that my ears can be open to your sweet voice. Zechariah chapter 4. This is an awesome verse of scripture, right? If we can learn this, if we can get a revelation of this, we can enter in. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Again, without the Holy Spirit, we will never overcome. Not in our own strength. Dependency upon him is a priority. And we have to make a decision to wait on him and not move out in our own human abilities and strength. This is a, a challenge for us. 
Because in the natural, we're so used to doing things on, on our own. But I think about Jesus. I think about he lived about 33 years. But he only ministered for three years. He waited on the power of the Holy Ghost before he even attempted to minister. He recognized the timing of God and he had a, a total dependency on the Holy Ghost. If, if God can allow us to come to that place where there is a total dependency on the Holy Spirit. And, and here's, how, here's how you will know if you're dependent on the Spirit of God. You will pray a lot. <laughs> You'll seek God's face because you recognize that without his power, you got nothing. You got nothing to say and you got nothing to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. So you begin to develop that relationship with him as you begin to sense his presence in your quiet time with him. A lot of times we like a lot of busy noise, but where you learn and where you begin to understand the voice of God is in that quiet time in that secret place, in that place where he can speak to you and tell you things that are supernatural. See, your carnal mind will reject a lot of these things. But when you get along with God, God will begin to open your mind up to that all things are truly possible to him that believes. Ezekiel chapter 36. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit. Now, again, this is Old Testament, but God prophesying what he would do for all who would receive eternal life. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out, out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So that's talking about the born-again experience. Next verse. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So God says, I know what I want to do. I want to fill you with my power so that you can walk in divine obedience and divine humility under me. But it only happens as I constantly am made aware of the Holy Ghost within Let's go to Colossians, chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. So there is a necessity that we wait on the Lord. And we learn to trust not in ourselves, but in Him. Amen? Now, Paul writes, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given me and you to fulfill the word of God. Now, he says, 
even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. I want to hold it there. The mystery, the Bible says, which has been hid from ages and from generations. This was very important. God had not revealed these things to none of his Old Testament people. He had spoken to them in dark speeches. But revelation concerning the power of the Holy Ghost within had been hidden from them up until the new covenant, up until Jesus showed up, up until Jesus was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God. This was a mystery to generations. But the Bible says it's been now made manifest to you and I. So it's important that we grasp the revelation of this because it's going to help us walk out in our generation the end time movement of the Holy Spirit. He says it's been made manifest or shown to his saints in this generation. So we're living in a time where we can experience things that Moses could not experience. None of the old Elijah could not experience what we have access to. None of those guys that we read about, none of those people that we read about in the old covenant had access to the things that we have at our very fingertips. They did not have this eternal life. And God is saying to us, He has placed us in this time, in this season, so that we can show forth his glory by receiving and acknowledging the power of God within. Next verse. To whom God would make known, see he wants us to know this, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. A lot of times we simply don't understand what has been bestowed upon us. The powers of another world dwelling on the inside of you and I right now as you said there. The devil, see, that's why he fights us in our minds so much because he does not want us to grasp uh, and get a reality of this. He attacks us to try to keep our eyes off of this power within. He calls us weak because he knows we're strong. So the Bible says this mystery, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. I like how Paul puts that. He says this is not just for the Jewish nation, but it's for the Gentiles also. Those who were Grafted into the seed of Abraham, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we're really going to get into it now. <laughs> Everything we've been talking about up until this point is just preliminary. This is the, this is the, this is the goal right here. Christ 
in you. A number of years ago, Kenneth Copeland came up with a God of Revelation from God about 20 years ago. And God began to speak to him about Christ and what that word Christ means. It's not Jesus' last name. When you say Jesus Christ, you're saying Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the one who removes the burden and destroys the yoke. That's what you're saying. So what that scripture is saying is Christ, the burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God is in you and I. There's not a yoke that cannot be destroyed. Because of the Christ in us. Now, in us, we're nothing. In ourselves, we're nothing. But in Him, hallelujah, there's nothing that's impossible. Because of this Christ in us. Now, Matthew chapter 16, we're going to probably close here. Matthew chapter 16. Thank you, Lord, for the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God within us. You have entrusted us with it. The Scripture says in verse 13, When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He asked his disciples, What what are the people saying about me? What's the talk on the street? By by now, Jesus is very famous. He's the talk of Jerusalem. And they said unto him, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but what do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, this is important. It does not really matter what the world say about him. It's what the church is saying about him. What revelation do we have of him? That's what matters. It's what we're saying about him that counts. He says, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, Jesus just said a mouthful right there. He says, he says to Simon Peter, Simon Barjona, you're blessed because you understand this. Y'all know what blessed is? That word blessed means? It means to be empowered, to prosper, and succeed. So when I say God bless you, I'm saying may God prosper you and give you success. And that's what Jesus is telling. He says, because you understand this, you're now empowered 
to prosper and succeed because you understand who I am, that I am the Christ. You now have access to things you didn't have before. For flesh and blood had not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that thou art Peter. So he changes his name right there to Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, upon this rock I'll build my church. Now he was not talking about building his church upon Peter. He was saying, upon this revelation that I am the Christ, I'm going to build my church. This is foundational teaching you're getting tonight. The, the, the foundation of the church is built upon the fact or the truth that Jesus is the anointed one. The one who removes the burden, the one who destroys the yoke. And he dwells on the inside of you and I, even tonight. He says, I'll build my church on that revelation. And then he says, and because you know this, because you understand that the very gates of hell can never defeat you. They won't prevail against you. Because you know who dwells on the inside of you. And you know how to use what I've given you. My very power. So you don't have to shake or be frightened or be intimidated with bad news. Or with the things that's going on in the world. No, 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 no. We use that as fuel and food, spiritual food. We eat trouble for breakfast in the morning. That's what we do. And when the enemy comes against us, we're like Peter and Paul. We rejoice in it because we know something about him and what he's done in us. He said, he told Peter, you're blessed. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Somebody needs to get that. This is what the church is built. This revelation is what the church is built upon. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, this is the head of the church talking. This is the head of the church talking. He says the gates of hell won't prevail against the person who understands these things. The person who begins to comprehend and acknowledge these things, what we're talking about tonight. The person who, who drinks constantly from the river of living water within, which God has so gracefully Graciously given to us in his son. As we begin to see these things by the light of the Holy Ghost, that is when God elevates us spiritually. And I'll close. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's why this is so important. That's why these, this revelation is so important because now we begin to put it all together. He's anointed. He's anointed me and he's also given me the very keys of the kingdom of heaven to unlock all the mysteries 
to experience all that he has died and rose to give to me. Don't ever have to be afraid ever again because of what he's done. Now, I'm going to close there because there's a lot more that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks concerning this because it's going to get more and more revelation on, on top of revelation. I really believe that. And I really believe that as we grasp these realities, that is when God is going to be able to release us into greater and greater glory and blessing. Stand to your feet tonight. I can't wait. I can't wait. Because this is our season. This is our season. All we have to do is believe it. Jesus did the hard part. He's went to the cross and raised from the dead. All he's asking for his church to do is to begin to embrace these realities and believe that they're possible for us. Father God, we pray tonight that we would be as a church strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. That we being rooted and grounded in your love would be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the breadth and the height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. God, that we will be filled with all of your fullness. Now, Father, under you who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that's at work within us, unto you be glory in your church. By Christ Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. It's your